This is the Comp Effect Podcast. When you focus on workers' compensation, you'll have a safer work environment, more productive staff, lower expenses, and you'll crush your competition. We're sharing real-world stories, actionable tips, business-friendly advice, and information to help your business. I'm your host, Todd Tams. Enjoy the show. All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Comp Effect Podcast. This episode is, you guys, this is going to be heavy hitting. Um, I, I, I am so excited to record this today. I'm about busting out of my shirt. So today we've got Melissa Schilling, who is a shareholder at the Dickinson Law Firm in Des Moines. And in all transparency, um, I've had a relationship with the Dickinson Law Firm for for uh, a while now. They've done great attorney work for me. I would highly recommend them. And when I reached out to one of my contacts there, I said, hey, we're getting all of these questions right now um, about COVID and about what employers can do and what employees can do. And I need some help with an employment law attorney. And they they quickly took me to the top of the food chain. And so, Melissa, thanks for joining us today. And uh, let's talk about employment law and all things you. Yes, thanks, Todd, for having me. I'm excited to be here. We, I'm excited to have you. Um, so real quick, before we get into it, because I'm staring down the barrel of probably 15, 18 questions that I want to ask you uh, that I think our listeners are definitely going to want to hear. Can you give us a little bit about who you are, your background, and how you got into employment law? Yeah, sure. So my name is Melissa Schilling. I've been practicing here at the Dickinson Law Firm for about seven years. I've been practicing law for about 11 years altogether. Um, I started my employment law practice over in Chicago, um, really learned how to, how to do it over there, and the, the environment there is intense. So I'm glad I had that, that background and that experience in Chicago, which I then decided, hey, let's move back to Iowa where I was born and raised and um, enjoy a life here. So I'm, I'm happy to be back in Iowa working, working in Des Moines. Um, practicing employment law. I used to live in Des Moines for a little while. It's got to be one of my favorite cities. I mean, on the planet, traffic's not that bad. There's a great amenities. Anything you need's right there. Uh, not knocking the rest of the country, but I really do like Des Moines. Yes, it's <laughs> a good place to live. So, I'm guessing what we're going to talk about today. You're getting a lot of questions from your clients and about the same thing, right? Right. Yep. And so from what I saw on LinkedIn, when I did some research, you work not only in the private sector, you work in the public sector, and you work with clients, small to large, all across the range. That's correct. And I'm guessing that keeps you busy all the time. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I do, I do represent mostly employers. I will dabble in some plaintiff's work here and there, but for the most part, I focus on representing employers, making sure they do the right things. And if they do mess up or are alleged to mess up, then I help defend them in any sort of lawsuit. Awesome. What, uh, what's your, probably your favorite area of practice? Uh, I really like litigation. So any sort of lawsuit I love. Um, I don't know if I could say like a particular law that I love the most. I do like public sector law because you bring in constitutional issues. Okay. All righty. So it's important to probably clarify, I think we did in the first couple emails that we exchanged, uh, your focus is not primarily workers' compensation, it's employment law. 
And really, I think that's a great thing to talk about today, which can kind of lead into potential workers' compensation issues. And so I think what we'll talk about today is maybe how not to get into workers' compensation issues and how not to get into employment practice issues by doing the right thing in your company. Sounds good. All right. So let's dig in. COVID. A lot of talk right now about vaccinations. Half the people want to get vaccinated. Half the people don't want to get vaccinated. Uh, There was, I just read an article about, I think it's uh, in Florida, they passed a law that on the cruise ships, you can't require vaccination cards. And that has sent people, well, I'm never going to cruise again if people aren't going to be vaccinated. Um, So can you talk a little bit about can, can a private sector or a public sector employer require their employees to become vaccinated? So yes, they can, but I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said. And, and Iowa did recently pass a law about vaccines and who, who you can require to know about vaccines and who you can't. So in Iowa, employers can still require employees to be vaccinated and require proof of that, which I'm sure we'll get into more. But you can't ask like um, a customer or vendor or supplier coming into your business if they have been vaccinated or show proof here in Iowa, um, which creates some issues as to what do employers do or what do businesses do um, in terms of mass mandates or other safety mitigation measures, which we'll get into as well. All right. So what happens if an employee says, I'm not going to get vaccinated? All right. So an employer can require vaccinations um, of employees with two exceptions. They have to provide an accommodation to individuals with medical conditions that can't be vaccinated. And they also have to provide accommodations to individuals who have sincerely held religious belief. So if an employee does not have a medical condition or a religious belief that prevents them from being vaccinated, then you can enforce your policy or requirement of vaccinations, whether that's termination, discipline, or whatever it is. I will tell you from a practical standpoint, many employers are not requiring that their employees be vaccinated. And that's because employees are refusing to, and you'd lose a workforce, you'd lose your workforce. So let me give you an example. I had a client who tried to require the vaccines and 25% of their workforce refused. They wanted to terminate those 25%, But right now, the labor market is so tight that they knew they couldn't. So instead of requiring it, they encouraged it. So you would be in the minority if your business is requiring employees to get vaccinated, mostly for practical reasons. Well, and I would also think, so if I choose not to get vaccinated, let's say the employer is going to require vaccinations, which I'm with you. I think that seems a short-sighted position right now, given the current labor environment, let's say they proceed with that. Uh, they're going to require vaccinations. Uh, employees, one of the 25% that's not going to get vaccinated. Is it then termination? Yeah. I mean, or what else do you do? How do you discipline them? I mean, is it a suspension? What is it? But if they refuse, if the reason you're requiring it is to make your workplace safer, then termination would likely be the answer. I don't see how another penalty would really fit there. Do you see legal challenges to that from the terminated employee side? I think employees in this climate are going to file a lawsuit on anything. So yes, I do think 
an employer out there will be sued. Um, and they will likely claim one of those two exceptions that we talked about earlier that would give them the legal basis to actually file a lawsuit and for it to have merit as if an employer required them to do it and they had a medical condition or a religious belief that prevented them from doing it. So Melissa, what changed? Um, Cause I'm not familiar with this area of the law. I'm assuming employers in the past have not required flu vaccinations. Uh, now we're requiring COVID vaccinations. Where, where, where does an employer, where can they draw the line in, in terms of, in terms of what vaccinations an employee is required to have and which ones are not? Yeah. I mean, that's true. It's, this is also the first time the government has stepped in and shut down the country for a situation like a, an infection or disease like this. It's also the first time the CDC has stepped in and said masks are required or schools shouldn't be open. So it is different than the flu. The, the, the flu. Um, uh, you know, it's just the employer has to, to make that decision politically. It is a political hot potato, so to speak. Yeah. Requiring these vaccine vaccines, as well as continuing to require masks. Or I, the mask thing was always a political hot potato, yeah. but it continues to be so now too. You know, when I asked you that question, can you require employees to get vaccinated? I was expecting a no. And I, I mean, my mind is just racing right now with, oh my gosh, what if they do that? What if they don't do that? What are we talking private versus public. What if we have a public school that's going to require teachers to get vaccinated for the safety of students? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you'll see that. Um, you know, in Iowa, there's a law that says what vaccines students have to have in order to go to school there. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a religious exemption to that. The Iowa legislature did try to change that and, um, add in there that schools could not require kids to have COVID vaccines, but I don't think that ever passed. Um, but you just, and I don't think it's been listed as a vaccine that student needs to have. Um, but I don't foresee the schools here requiring back their employees to be vaccinated. Do you see, do you see states coming in with different laws depending upon the current political party and uh, leadership in that state? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's like here in Iowa where they're forbidding a business from asking a vendor or supplier if they've been vaccinated. That's an example of where the state has stepped in to kind of legislate in what businesses can do. Got it. So what I'm hearing you say is depending upon where your business is located in this country, tread carefully and consult your appropriate legal advice if this is, some, if this is really a path that you're going to walk down. Yep. And not just for vaccines, but for masks too. So in Iowa, as of two weeks ago, I think it was two or three weeks ago, the state passed a law which prohibits schools, cities, and counties from requiring, from requiring people to wear masks. So similar stuff could be happening elsewhere in the country. And you would want to check on what your business, city, county, school can do in those, those states. Does, um, when we talk about employee vaccinations, does, does the law apply differently if you're a small employer under 20 or subject to FMLA or COBRA, any of those things, or is it universal? 
So the EEOC is the federal agency that regulates what's called the Americans with Disabilities Act. That act only applies to employers with 20 or more employees. Okay. The EEOC has said that employers can require vaccines of their employees. Um, The Iowa, there's an Iowa law that essentially mirrors the Americans with Disabilities Act or is very similar to that. And we usually follow what guidance comes down federally. And um, that applies to very small employers. So the law is basically the same here in Iowa as it relates to vaccines, no matter what size of an employer you are. Got it. So I just got to say, this is why I love the Dickinson Law Firm. I, <laughs> I haven't stumped you yet. And I think those are some pretty tough questions that we're just getting started. I mean, you're just bam, 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 bam. All right, let's keep moving on. Uh, so can an employer ask if the employees are vaccinated? Yes, they can. Yep. And they can even ask for proof. So employers are doing this a little bit differently because, again, it can be a political hot potato. Some ways I've seen it done is an employer will send out an anonymous survey to their employees to see who's been vaccinated. And really what the employer is trying to do is figure out, can I bring my employees back to work? If so, what safety mitigation measures do I need in place? Um, that kind of stuff. That's why employers are asking for that information. It's, it's not just out of curiosity, but yes, they can ask for that information. So let's talk about one of the things that I've learned a lot about here recently, and it's HIPAA, because I think the default position for most people is you can't ask for that. It's protected by HIPAA. (laughs) That's correct. They do that not only in the setting, but in all different types of settings. Um, You have to remember that most employer employers are not covered by HIPAA. HIPAA only covers certain entities, healthcare providers, health plans, and even then it's only related to certain information. Here we're talking about an employer um, asking for an employee for vaccine information. The real concern they would have potentially is the Americans with Disabilities Act, but the EEOC has said that that vaccine card is not protected medical information of the employee, so you can ask to see it. If you were to retain a copy of it, you just want to make sure you keep it confidential. Okay. I agree. And yeah, I think the whole, the, just the whole conversation surrounding HIPAA, it's medical entities, even HIPAA does not apply in workers' compensation. A lot of people get that confused. They think that I can't ask the employee what's going on with their medical claim. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Absolutely. You can. Right. The reason that's accepted from HIPAA because so many people need to know what's going on. Right. So I think the next question I had, can we ask non-employees such as customers, vendors, suppliers, if they are vaccinated? And you said no on the customers. Yep. No on anyone that's not an employee. Here in Iowa, you can't ask anyone that's not an employee whether or not they're vaccinated. What about subcontractors? Nope. That's interesting because in the work comp world, a lot of times they think subcontractors are an extension of the employee force. So we've got different parts of the law applying differently depending upon the scenario. Mm -hmm. Once again, why you need legal advice. (laughs) So because, uh, what do I want to say here? Because this is so political, and I mean, we see it in workforces, we see it in wherever you go, 
people wearing masks, people not wearing masks. Companies are starting to bring employees back to the workforce. You've got some people who are vaccinated, some people are not. How would you suggest that companies address maybe the negative peer pressure or the anxiety that some people may be having if I have a health condition, I've got vaccinated, but Joe right here next to me doesn't care and hasn't? Yeah, so the most conservative approach for employers to take right now is to follow CDC guidance, which says that unvaccinated employees still need to wear a mask when they can't socially distance. So many of my clients are following CDC guidance. OSHA has also came out and said um, that you need to follow CDC guidance. OSHA is, is essentially a workplace safety um, law and you don't want to get in trouble with OSHA either. Um, that's what most of my clients are doing is following CDC guidance because they have that fallback as saying, hey, I'm following this. Um, some are saying, look, no masks required as long as social distancing can't be maintained. So even hallway interactions, no mask required, as long as social, it's, you know, it's not a big deal if it's just a pass in the hallway. Um, so why don't you repeat your question again? Because Well, we were talking about negative peer pressure and, yeah. um, you know, what happens if somebody, you know, because I'm assuming that could be retaliatory. You bring in employment practices liability at that point if you have somebody who has maybe has animosity to the person who is not wearing a mask. And so what I think I heard you say is businesses need to have some type of policy in place for how if they're not going to require vaccinations, then they should follow what you're saying is follow CDC guidance. Mm -hmm. And if you're not vaccinated, wear a mask and you can't social business inside the business setting. Yes. And if, if employees are going to harass or bully one another about that, then you need to sit them down and, and, and not tolerate that. Either, either way, if someone's harassing a non-vaccinated person or someone who's not wearing a mask or a vaccinated person, whatever the situation may be, but from that get-go, whatever your expectations are, the expectations have to be, we will not tolerate different groups harassing each other or bullying each other. So when you tell a business to follow CDC guidelines to prevent things like this happening, I, I believe that some states have done away with the mask mandate entirely. I think Texas, I think Iowa. So what do you think? I mean, how does that play out? Because you have a state that probably doesn't have the power to supersede the federal government, OSHA, or the CDC, but they're creating policies that govern their state that businesses can they rely on those safely? So, yes. I mean, um, even though Iowa, Iowa has never truly had a mask mandate, but when it comes to business operations and protecting employees, the most conservative approach has always been to follow CDC guidance so that if a lawsuit is filed, you can draw, fall back on that and say, look, I was doing X, Y, and Z, which is recommended that I do. I was acting in good faith here. Um, I'll mention on this point that Iowa did last year, and I think June, passed a law which essentially made businesses immune for COVID-related events, except for in the workers' comp setting and, and except for OSHA. Mm -hmm. So if I had a client come into our firm, get COVID, because let's say I had COVID, 
then my firm would be protected from liability if the client tried to sue the firm because I gave them COVID. Now there's a few exceptions to that. Like you were, rec- you were careless, you acted with reckless disregard. But if, if a business can show, hey, I was following CDC guidance, I implemented these safety mitigation measures, my firm would be immune from, from any sort of liability. And I, does that apply though? I mean, I know this is probably outside of your readings. I don't believe that applies in the work comp setting. It does not. So if we go back to Sally, who's vaccinated, Joe's not, mm-hmm. maybe Joe fails to follow social distancing guidelines, fails to wear a mask. She gets COVID. I mean, I, I understand that there's a probably a slim chance of that, but if that happens, potentially that business could be held liable for that. Yeah, potentially. And the, the other thing is not only is there a slim chance of that happening, but there's also a slim chance of proving causation unless you have a huge outbreak. Um, at some of like the meat packing plants that we've seen. So that's another, they'd have to actually prove causation. It was from Joe and not from their trip to the grocery store or to their graduation party or whatever it may have been. But yeah, workers' compensation liability is a concern. And that's also a reason why we've recommended to businesses to follow CDC guidance is because the worker comp carriers are coming in and saying, please, please follow those, those, those guidelines. So we have a defense. It's interesting. The data that I saw most recently, I, I think there was initial onset panic that there was going to be a flood of COVID-19 related medical claims. And those didn't pan out necessarily to be the way that they thought they would. Um, I know that there was a case I want to say in Missouri where there was a EMT that contracted COVID at work and ultimately passed away and the carrier down there thought it'd be a good idea to deny the claim and quickly reverse their position within 24 hours. And which was the right thing to do for the family. If you, I mean, any other medical condition that works covered by workers' compensation, I don't know why COVID wouldn't be. Right. Right. Yep. In my thought. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've talked about negative peer pressure. Um, let's talk about, and let's talk about, workers filing claims for stress and anxiety. And this is uncharted territory, I'm assuming, because we're flipping over from workers' compensation to more employment practices liability. Mm-hmm. This goes back to if I'm, a biz- if I'm a business and I want an employee to get vaccinated and they have stress and anxiety and proceed to sue, check your employment practices liability policy because is that going to respond for this? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Uh, looks an employee can sue for anything whether or not it's going to be successful is a different thing i don't really see a legal basis for them to say an employer requiring the vaccine caused them stress and anxiety and and how is that a legal claim i don't maybe in the workers comp setting it would be um but i'm not familiar with workers compensation law i do know it, it protects mental conditions or uh, mental illness that stem from a work-related injury, but I don't see a a legal claim at this point. Now, I'm sure any attorney could make one up though. Well, yeah, I think not not every claim has merit. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes we're trying to, sometimes points are trying to be proven, correct? Right, right. (laughs) All right, so I think we've talked about masks, we've talked about employee harassment, We've talked about employees requiring vaccines and if there's a negative reaction, 
Um, I don't, I, one of the questions I had here was what if the company requires vaccines and there is a negative reaction, does workers' compensation provide protection? I would say yes. Yeah, I, and this is also kind of a new area of the law where um, we're treading new ground, but attorneys are arguing that if an employer requires the vaccine and there is an adverse reaction, it would constitute a work-related injury, especially if the vaccine was given on work property or by a, the employer's vaccine provider, whoever that may be. Um, now, the, 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 the adverse reactions of the vaccines have been pretty mild or at least rare. So an employer has to take into consideration how likely is it that my employee is going to have a blood clot, for instance, um, probably pretty rare. That doesn't mean employees won't try to engage in fraud and make something up though. Fair enough. Um, oh, here's a good one. So companies are bringing employees back. What if an employee doesn't want to come back? What if an employee, let, let's make this a two-part question. What if an employee does not want to come back? And what if an employee doesn't want to get the vaccine so they don't have to come into the office? Because I'm guessing you're probably hearing lots of this. Mm-hmm. So um, you can force them back into the office, whether they've been vaccinated or not vaccinated, that you can force them back into the office. Now, if they say, I can't be in the office at all, then you're going to have to say, well, why can't you be in the office at all? And they may say I have a medical condition where I can't be around unvaccinated people. You'd have to go through what's called their reasonable accommodation process, get notes from the doctor verifying that but there may be ways to bring them back to the office and still accommodate them, um, allow them to wear a mask, um, put them in an office that's far away from others or in their own office like I'm in today. Um, but overall, you can bring people back. You can force people back. You just may have to accommodate someone with a medical condition if they're not able to come back. Got it. So just on, just on the workers' compensation side of things, because we hear talk of, oh, I'm going to have stress. It's pretty hard to file a work comp claim for stress, pretty hard to file a work comp claim for anxiety. Um, I understand that there's a lot of apprehension and hesitation on people coming back to the workplace. And interestingly enough, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago um, with a mental health expert in uh, Florida. And his whole narrative was the, the, the pandemic has affected everybody differently whether you're high income, low income and race and how you bring those ethnic group backs and those different income levels, uh, there's a lot, th their mental health is not as solid as it was before the pandemic. So businesses really just kind of need to take extra care and use some white gloves when, when trying to reintegrate the workforce. Yeah, and I've seen um, clients do that kind of slow and steady don't bring them back. Don't tell them today on a Wednesday that they're coming back Monday, but give them plenty of notice, maybe bring them back in shifts or rounds um, to get them acclimated back to being in the office. I mean, part of this too, is they just want to continue to work from home. So you've got to separate true stress versus I just like working from home. So what I'm hearing you say, Melissa, follow CDC guidance, be smart, yes. take, you know, be smart with your employees. If you want to have a workforce, maybe not require vaccines mm -hmm. and just be smart about the whole entire thing. 
Yes. yes. What other questions are you getting that you're telling people the same thing over and over right now? Um, they're asking me what other businesses are doing. So whether or not they're bringing employees back at this point, a lot of the small, smaller businesses are bringing back employees or they never really allowed employees to work from home from the get-go. Larger businesses are um, not bringing employees back as fast. I'm not sure if that's because of employee hesitancy or more of a um, giving the business time to determine whether or not they actually need as much real estate as they need. So for instance, if they could have employees work in the office every other week, then they're not going to need eight buildings or whatever it is. They can cut that down into half. So um, I, I get a lot of questions about what other businesses are doing a lot. Melissa, are you advising businesses to have a formal written bring employees back to work program? If they want to, I think that any employer needs to set out expectations with employees as to what's expected when they return to work, whether there's still going to be safety mitigation practices in place, um, whether masks are required, whether or not um, employees should be vaccinated. One thing we haven't talked about yet is whether or not employers, if they're not going to require vaccines, can they encourage or incentivize their employees to be vac vaccinated? And the answer to that question is yes. So the EEOC has come out and said that as long as the incentive, incentive is not coercive, then you can, you can provide incentives to your employees to get vaccinated. The EEOC did not say what, what is coercive, but a lot of employers give extra PTO days, give time off to recover from the vaccine, may give like a cash incentive. I'm not seeing anything like, I think the state of Ohio is doing free scholarships or a million dollar lottery type thing. I'm not seeing that in the, in the private oh. sector or the public sector other than the state of Ohio, but employers can do little things to incentivize their employees to, to get vaccinated. And um, so come up with a creative idea, uh, call your attorney as to what you may be able to do in order to incentivize employees. Melissa, are you seeing these quite, you know, like this conversation and the bringing people back to the workforce in, in any other sector other than typically the white collar work from home? Right. I mean, blue collar workers have always have essentially been working there all the time <clears throat> or at work. Restaurants have, for the most part, been open other than here in Iowa for a brief period of time. They did shut down yeah. indoor dining. Um, that was only for a very brief period of time. So for the most part, um, you know, restaurant workers, meatpacking plants, you know, it, almost the essential services have been at work this entire time. The problem they're seeing now is just the workforce issue, lack of workforce. Yeah, so do you think, yeah, that's, we're seeing is Stephen in the, the hiring ads, signing bonuses, increased pay, anything to get people back in. I mean, these businesses are busting at the seams, it seems like right now. Everything is just kind of, you know, amassing and ready to pop and they need people. They, the people that are working there are working overtime. 
I saw a sign the other day. I stopped at a little fast food restaurant and uh, I love the way they framed it, but it said, Hey, please be nice to our workers. They're the ones who showed up today. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's so true. Thank you for that. Yep. And that's another good point too, is if you're struggling that hard to find applicants, it'd be difficult to tell an applicant or a new employee you're going to be required to have a vaccine once you start working here. So just kind of another reason not to require the vaccines. I think this is a great point just to talk about employees have options. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke with a, with one of my favorite underwriters the other day, and they're going to bring this underwriter back to work. Uh, I think it was three days a week. And uh, because people listen to this, I'm trying to be very vague. Uh, but this individual said, I think I'm more productive at home, not only in my business life, but also in my personal life. If I have a small project that needs to be done, I can get it done in five minutes and I can get back to work and I'm not spending 25 minutes driving to work, 25 minutes coming home. And uh, I, I think we really just need to think as, a, as employers and the coaching of employers, do we really need people in the office? I love the face-to-face interaction. Does it need to happen every day? Yeah. And it really depends on who the person is. I mean, I need, I'm someone who has, needs to be in the office. My husband does not um, because he is more productive at home and he also works longer hours. So it just, it's so different. He's in a completely different industry than me, but it just varies by employees too. And, and what might work for one business may not for another. hundred percent. I think, I think to, back to our point, the white collar sector, uh, my phone is with me. All, you can't even see it. I believe this virtual background. There it is. There it is. Uh, it's with me 24 seven. I get calls at Sunday night. I get calls six o'clock on Monday morning. Uh, I mean, the defining work hours inside of a building from Monday through Friday, eight to four 30. I think that needed to change a long time ago. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's changing with generations. Um, of people. So our generation is more okay with working remotely than other generations maybe. Agreed. I think I'm more, I think I'm more effective when I'm in the office. Um, just cause I'm set up, I've got a bigger monitor right now. I'm working remotely. Um, it's a smaller monitor, smaller things, and just more time on the phone. I don't know that I'm, maybe I get more done because I'm less interrupted. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what else you want to talk about today that you're hearing that we should let businesses know? Gosh. Um, well, hopefully this whole thing is over soon. I hope so. And in a few months, we aren't going to be talking about COVID. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I'm just going over kind of our, um, I don't, I don't know if you wanted to talk about, I know we were focusing on vaccines, but still requiring masks and whether you can force that issue or not. Um, Cause I still get that question. And, and yes, you can require employees to wear masks. Um, but again, there's those two exceptions. One is if there's a medical condition where they cannot, or two, there's a sincerely held religious belief where they cannot. One thing with both masks and vaccines is there's a lot of employee dishonesty when it comes to whether or not they truly have a medical condition or a sincerely held religious belief um, that prevents them from getting vaccinated or wear a mask. So I don't know if you've heard about these fake cards you can get off the internet, um, but I've actually seen one presented to an employer and um, 
So employers need to be careful about recognizing what is real and what is dishonest when employees are seeking to not wear a mask or to not be vaccinated. So you're saying an employee, let me, let me make sure I understand this. An employee brings in a fake vaccination card. Not a fake vaccination card, but a fake card that says they can't wear masks. So on the internet, you can get these cards that say um, mask exemption card. This employee cannot wear a mask. And I forget what else is on this card, but you present that and you basically tell your employer, hey, here's my card. I can't wear a mask. Well, that that doesn't fulfill the employee's obligations um, to show that they actually can't wear it because of the medical reason or for a sincerely held religious belief. So the employer can push back and ask for more information. But I've seen that happen. I'm just laughing here because I'm trying to figure out who's got the website that I can Google for a free mask exemption card that somebody could present to an employer. Because I'm guessing that... I don't know if it was off of Twitter or where you find it, but you'll see like the Department of Justice website, I think even has a disclaimer, shows what the card looks like and basically said, this is not, um, it's not a valid card. It's not endorsed by any, any, anyone. So So what did you advise that employer then when you've got an employee falsifying documents to (laughs) get out of what the company is requiring? We didn't, we didn't move to termination, but basically push back and say, no, we're not accepting this. This is fake. If you truly need an accommodation, here's the appropriate forms to fill out. Um, that employee did not end up filling out any forms. So. Got it. Mm-hmm. I love, I just love the little things that you learn on a podcast from talking to people. And I didn't even know that was a thing till today. Really? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that is, that's a thing. Well, I've heard about the fake, uh, the the fake vaccine cards, but not a fake mask exemption cards. So, yeah, all things for all people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to touch base on today? Let's see. Um, I mean, I what I'm hearing you say, really, for the most part, businesses can require employees to do things. They rec- you're recommending that they all follow CDC guidelines and just be smart about things. Yes. I do recognize that following CDC guidelines can be difficult to do, difficult to enforce, because another thing that can come up is it's basically the honor system. Sometimes if you're not going to ask for proof of vaccines, but tell employees that if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Mask. If you're unvaccinated, you need to wear a mask. If you're not requiring proof, it's going to be the honor system. Um, You know, do you want to go around policing unvaccinated workers about wearing masks? It's, it's all up to your business. If you want to do that, you certainly can. Um, I, I work here on the board of directors and I, I don't really want to police um, people <laughs> uh, every day if they're not wearing masks, but that's for an individual business to, de- to decide. Well, and I think if you're a business that wants employees to come to work and doesn't want to be short-staffed. You really have to just figure out your workforce and figure out what works for you and figure out what works for your customer base and stop listening to what everybody else is saying and do what works for your business because each one is unique. Yep, exactly right. All righty. Well, this has been enlightening. I, 
back to our first question, can you require employees to get vaccinated? I, I did not know that was a thing. I assumed that may only apply in the healthcare sector. So good information today. Yep. You're welcome. Any other advice for business owners out there today? Um, no, I, I think we've covered just about anything. If they've got a, a tricky issue or need additional help, they can call um, their employment law attorney. All righty. And how many states do you practice in right now, Melissa? Well, I'm only licensed in Iowa and Illinois. So okay. <laughs> um, we have clients that have employees throughout the country and actually throughout the world. Um, but for the most part, I practice in Iowa. All right. So businesses, if you're in Iowa or Illinois and you need some advice, Melissa is your attorney on employment law issues. And Melissa, a couple questions before we wrap up here. Um, what are you reading right now? For fun? I don't read for fun. You don't read for fun? <laughs> no. It's because I see all those I, books on that bookshelf in the back and they're probably little tiny words and fine print and lots of education in there. Yeah, I've got to read all day for work and, and weekends and nights for work. So I'm not, I don't I don't get to read for fun. I read the news. Okay. All right. So the question uh, I've been asking everybody then is, what are you spending more money on right now than you should? And I've been getting a lot of home remodel projects. Yeah, so we're actually expecting twins in a few months. So we're spending way too much money on baby gear. Congratulations. Thanks. Twins. Good yeah, people. it'll be a handful. It'll be a handful. I remember how hard it was pushing one stroll around with one kid. And I just, my, you know, you have my support on that dual stroller because that's going to be a workout. And think of, think of all the caloric energy you're going to spend. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back in shape after, after the pregnancy. Fair enough. And then last thing, any message you want to leave with our business owners and our listeners today? Any message I want to leave them with? You can say anything you want. Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think I'm good. All right. So be safe, be smart. Melissa, I just want to thank you for stopping by today. Uh, for our listeners out there, Melissa's on LinkedIn. Um, we're also going to post her, her contact information at the Dickinson Law Firm in the show notes and on our website if you want to reach out for further assistance or help or maybe find a new attorney with employment law. Sounds good. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for stopping by today. Appreciate your knowledge and your expertise. Congratulations on the twins. Thank you. And uh, good luck this summer. Thank you.